Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to the latest episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. This is your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we have with us Dr. Andy Byrne, who is an emergency room physician who is also specialized in disaster medicine and telehealth. So this is a great asset to our country in this time of need. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Byrne did his medical training in Downstate Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York, and then he worked in emergency room since 1981 in Ohio, Florida, Alabama, and Louisiana. As I said, his area of work includes emergency room medicine, disaster medicine, and telehealth. He has received multiple awards, including the Pam B. Benson Trailblazing Award 2019, which was a lifetime achievement on an individual who made the most impact on the specialty of emergency medicine. Well, that's very impressive, Dr. Byrne. Thank you. How can a doctor use telehealth services? Telehealth actually goes back quite a way. It actually began in the early 70s as a project between NASA and the Indian Health Service. The problem they were trying to deal with there was providing health care to the tribes and individuals that were considered remote and very, very rural, and they didn't have access to health care clinics or physicians. And in this project with the Indian Health Service, they set up satellites and connected them with physicians back at NASA. And NASA used this technology that they developed for deployment with the astronauts and the astronaut programs that took place later in the 70s. Well, there are a lot of doctors who had not been using telehealth that are trying to jump on the bandwagon now that they're not seeing their healthy patients. What should you look for as a doctor in terms of choosing a telehealth service since there's more than one around? There are multiple telehealth services around. I think that the biggest change that has happened is in the last week. In that last week, CMS, Center for Medicare Medicaid Services, has made a relaxation of the rules for the use of telehealth and getting reimbursement. And the HIPAA rules have also been relaxed in terms of using devices that have been pre-authorized or certified as HIPAA compliant. Both of those rules have been relaxed in the coronavirus. For my colleagues, they're using, for example, their smartphones and for making contact with a patient to conduct the rest of their interview over their phone and the patient's phone and limit their exposure to potential coronaviruses. 
So that's a unique use that's taking place right now. Telehealth is, is used in a big way. I started a number of years ago when the VA medical system was unable to, in a timely basis, screen all of their patients that had PTSD or thought they had PTSD, they're required to be screened and evaluated by a psychiatrist within a fixed period of time. And there were too many patients, too few psychiatrists, and the VA medical system let out a contract for telehealth psychiatry to clear out their backlog of patients. And that was really one of the first very large deployments of telehealth. Telehealth has also been used in the area of neurology in the context of a stroke for hospitals that didn't have neurologists, didn't have the ability to provide rapid access for eligible patients with TPA because they, one, didn't have a neurologist available, or they didn't have a neuroradiologist or a radiologist to read the CAT scans or MRIs before delivering that modality. Additionally, in rural healthcare settings, they might have an ICU bed, but not intensivists to monitor the patients and give consultations on what's going on. And that context you're having telemedicine coming in to help fill that need. The other need that's being met right now with telemedicine is in some hospitals, they're using a new system to allow a physician to do screen exams, which is known as the medical screen exam, MSCs, by physicians and in some cases with hospitals, uh, other healthcare providers like nurse practitioners to provide that information and reduce physical contact with the patient, particularly in this context of the coronavirus. Okay, so as a doctor, let's say I'm trying to decide which telehealth service is right for me. What criteria do you suggest in choosing the telehealth service? I would take it one step further backward. And what I mean by that is you have to answer the question of why is it that you want to use telehealth to begin with? There are lots of different reasons to use telehealth. For example, I personally worked with a company that did telehealth in other countries like Ghana, and they were doing that under a grant from a missionary group. And they connected you with people in Ghana that have medical issues and medical problems, and you help them out in a two-way audiovisual communication with those patients. Uh, other individuals have different reasons for using telehealth. So one of the things that are taking place right now, for example, is patients that have congestive heart failure and are released from the hospital relatively early are being monitored closely by telehealth 
by the people from those programs. And they could be nurse practitioners, they could be cardiologists, they could be a variety of individuals. So that's taking place. So the, you really have to first answer the question of why is it that you want to get involved with telehealth? Well, is the, tele, is the telehealth coming from the hospitals and insurance companies that a doctor participates in? Or can a doctor say, look, you know, I, I don't want to close my practice. I still want to see patients. I don't want to lose all my revenue, but I want to see them online. So is there a telehealth service that they could get right now for their patients right now locally? That's an important question, but the... The main driver of this has been the fact that up until this point, telehealth services reimbursed very poorly. And that's because of the rulings from CMS and state government. And there was not a lot of incentive for physicians to go into telehealth because of the reimbursement issue. Because of the change in the environment and the pandemic issues that have arisen, there have been some changes. For a physician that wants to maximize their ability to use telehealth at a reasonable compensation, the established programs that are operating out of hospitals or even from insurance companies are probably the better choice. There are a lot of people that say that that are approaching physicians saying, "Oh, I have this great system, and uh, you have to invest this much money and buy equipment that I have, stuff like that." But I think for most people, that you first have to ask yourself the question, "Why do I want to do this? What need am I meeting?" And then, if you have economic means it may determine what kind of services you get. Telehealth services work best when you have a fast channel of communication. Personally, I have a 45 megabit per second AT&T internet connection, which is fine for my needs. Other people actually have gigabit connections, which when you start getting heavy use, that's obviously better. So a lot of these things really depend upon what your capabilities are and realizing that some services are a turnkey system. They provide all the equipment. They provide all of the connections. They provide the billing structure, and they're very good in, in doing that. But then there are other companies whose motivation is just selling you equipment. I think that's a that's a great um, word to keep in mind, uh, turnkey, because you know now I think that everyone is just looking for all of the equipment to be given to them without having to make a big investment, so that they could jump up to the plate and you know start seeing their patients right away. But tell me, how do doctors link their service to an insurance billing company when they've seen patients online? Well, it usually goes the other way around. So, for example, if you look at a Humana or an Aetna or a company of that nature, they decide that in their policy, they're going to start bringing in the feature of telehealth. And working through those companies, they generate a contract that you will provide 
a certain service for them and have it available through telehealth mechanisms. Different companies are different and it really depends upon the companies you're working with. Several hospitals are looking to expand their use of that as well. And within their medical staffs, they communicate that they're looking for physicians to participate and what the financial arrangements are going to be. And they're making all the outlays in terms of equipment, software, billing, things of that nature. Are you seeing more patients trying to access telehealth now so that they don't have to go to an office during these trying times? I think that is taking place, but for the most part, you're dealing with a population where either their employer has arranged a contract to allow them to be screened and evaluated by somebody to do that, or they are contacting their individual physicians and find out that the office is closed except for extreme emergencies, and they are falling back now on typical communications like FaceTime and smartphone usage because those rules have been relaxed. Do you find that a lot of doctors have their phones uh, encrypted now to have communication with patients? No, and that's the big challenge. Before, people did not have HIPAA-compliant phones and software to do that. But as I'm saying, in the pandemic that we're experiencing now, there's been a relaxation of the rules to allow people to do that without those considerations. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Byrne. He's had a very involved relationship with the American College of Emergency Physicians Organization, and he's currently working with the State Legislative Regulatory Committee, the Federal Government Affairs Committee, the Awards Committee, and the Disaster Committee. He's published extensively and lectures. Since 2012, he's also spoken with Toastmasters International achieving the Distinguished Toastmaster Award in 2016. So, Dr. Byrne, tell us the different forms that telehealth takes. Well, I can go through a number of different examples where it's used. Telehealth is used on a regular basis in the military, particularly for troops that are in areas where medical care is not imminently available. Telehealth is used in rural settings, allowing specialists to come and be part of the management of patients that require, for example, intensivists, neurologists, and other specialties that are not resident at those hospitals. Telehealth is being used for monitoring patients that are high risk such as dialysis patients or congestive heart failure patients, and keeping that contact between the physician, the hospital, and the patient, allowing patients to be discharged safely earlier and not kept in the hospital because somebody's able to physically see, watch them, and keep a good maintenance on what's going on. Then there's a a standard telehealth in the area of psychiatry, as I mentioned before, with the Veterans Administration, we're using that system extensively. And there are other opportunities 
for telehealth as well. Many people have noticed commercials on TV talking about the innovations of 5G for your phone. That essentially from today's standard is 100 times faster than where we are now. And they're talking about doing things like remote access surgery with robotics because you have 5G technology allowing you to literally do surgeries remotely just with the technology of a smartphone with 5G capability. So things are evolving very, very quickly, and people are finding different ways of applying telehealth all the time. When I was in Hawaii, for example, I had an accident, and I went to a hospital that didn't have any physicians or radiologists there initially. They had to call in the emergency physician from his home to see me. By that time, I'd already taken my x-rays. We reviewed them. And then they sent the x-rays by teleradiology to the radiologist on the other side of the island to do the official reading. This is taking place all the time. So you have teleradiology, you have teleneurology, you have telepsychiatry, you have teleinvasive care, you have telemedicine being used uh, to supplement staffing for emergency departments and triage and doing the screen, medical screening exam that's required under Intella. And you're having it be being used as a bridge for physicians who are trying to talk to patients and limit their exposure if the patient is thought to be a patient affected by the coronavirus. This is quite impressive. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode, Dr. Byrne. You've been listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.